Well, hello, everybody. This is Dr. Walter Sims. I'm host of the Dr. Walter Sims Show, and I am honored to have a very special guest with me today. We met, as a matter of fact, we met last year at Anointed for Business in Dallas, uh, Texas, with Delatorio McNeil, and uh, one of the presenters was Brother Phil, and he talked about Christian industry, media, finding out your lane where you fit in this whole thing called life. Just an awesome, awesome um, uh, presentation. And just recently, uh, the Lord laid on my heart to reach out to him to have him as a guest on my radio show. And lo and behold, he has just released uh, a new work, a new book, uh, with a collaboration with him and another friend of his, Jonathan Bach, I believe. And the yep. name of the book is The Way Back. And so that's what we're going to jump into today. Uh, Brother Phil, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Walter. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk. I love your show. Well, thanks so much, Brother Phil. Well, listen, if, if you could do it as an elevator speech, who is Phil Cook? You are a very fascinating <laughs> man. You are an author. Uh, you're an entrepreneur. You are a trendsetter. You are a trailblazer. Uh, you're an amazing man. But but who is Phil Cook? Um, a reporter from CNN a couple years ago said, I'm the only working producer in Hollywood with a Ph.D. in theology, uh, which kind of puts <laughs> me in a very limited space there. But, yeah, we have a production company here in Los Angeles, and we work mostly – we've done Super Bowl commercials, and we've done movies and TV shows and all kind of things. But we mostly focus I, – I, I, if, you'll, if you'll pardon me for being crass, we mostly focus on helping Christians not suck at the media. And uh, if you've ever good. seen much Christian television or, or films, you know – know that uh, there's so much the bar needs to be higher there's so much more we could do if we want to impact the culture with media so that's really our focus helping churches ministries nonprofit organizations visionaries of all kinds uh, reach out and make an impact with the media you know what and and, and help me with this because you know my sure. wife kind of my wife kind of laughed at me or looked at me kind of funny when I said this and and help us understand this because I want to get into the book with this question why is it and, and I like the way that you said you helping Christian organizations, not social yeah. media. Why are our movies so cheesy? Why is it that we think our movies need to be so cheesy? Because sometimes the secular world presents a Christian theme a little bit better than we do. Why is our stuff so cheesy, Brother Phil? Well, what people don't realize is that back at the early part of the last century, back in the about 1898 to about 1915, the church made more movies than Hollywood did. Back oh, wow. in the very early days of filmmaking, the church was incredibly active. In fact, I've been to a church, a, a, a large African American church in Montclair, New Jersey, that was right. um, Henry. Uh, I mean, it was uh, what was this? Oh, uh, Henry Henry Emerson Fosdick's church back in 1911. And uh, beautiful, beautiful church. And they did a remodeling project recently. And when they knocked out a wall in the back of the church, they discovered a giant movie projector, an old 35-millimeter movie projector that had been boarded up. Back in the old days, I discovered, at that church, every Saturday night they would have movie night. And oh, wow. then they would come in and do services on Sunday. And so movies were an avid part of the church experience. But then in about the 50s, 40s and 50s, wow. when filmmakers started pushing the limits on profanity and sex yeah. and all kind of violence and things, the church, rather than responding, the church just kind of pulled back. And as yeah. you know, when you, you know, when you leave a spot, something else is going to fill it. And so right. Hollywood kind of stepped back in there and took over. And the, the church has reemerged in the last 10 years, but I think – the problem is we were out of it for so long. These first generations of Christian filmmakers now, they're so 
concerned about the message that they forget about the packaging. And so very often they'll have a movie that has a good message, but it's bad acting or it's a bad script Hello. or it's bad directing. <laughs> yeah, and so no matter how great the message, if nobody wants to watch it, you failed. So my, part of my big calling is helping remind filmmakers and media producers that we've got to not just have a great story and a great message. We have to have great acting and directing and lighting and camera work and all those things that make a movie great. You know, so, so what would you say, Brother Phil, what's the disconnect then? You, you say the message is good, the content is there, but yeah. why is it that we are failing, quote, unquote, why are we failing with the presentation? Well, a lot of it is because I think we're, we're hampered. I wrote a blog post recently that, that uh, movies, Christ, you know, movies made by Christians, I don't even like to say Christian movies. I think right. if we're going to make an impact in the culture, we have to get out of that bubble. But uh, movies made by Christians just have to be more real. I think we've got to deal with real situation. You know, you show somebody whose life was miserable, who was a drug addict or an alcoholic or came from a broken family or was in a gang or whatever, if you don't show how bad they were, nobody's going to understand how far God brought them. So you know, I think you preach. Come on. <laughs> You're a good audience. Thank you. <laughs> well, I get riled up about it because I think we just yeah. we're, we're dropping the ball when it comes to engaging the culture and uh, I just hate it. Just hate it. You know, and I think I think you said it the best way. You know, when I said that Christian movies are so cheesy, I think you said it best. I think a lot of times, I think what the issue is, we try to gloss over and underplay how bad our society really is. And my attitude is, I think we should show that side of it and the power of deliverance. And I think that's really where our calling card is, is that that is the power of the Lord. You know, our world is a very how shall I say, desperate place. And I think a yeah. lot of times Christian, Christian movies try to downplay that and upplay the church side of it, but our right. society is a very real world. So, so that way, therefore, segue in into your new work, what is your new book about and how did you come about collaborating with Jonathan? Well, the, the title is officially The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Get It Back. And uh, it, it's kind of a controversial title, but it came out of the fact that we, were, we spent a lot of nights sitting around a fire pit talking about why Christian principles are disappearing in the culture, why Christian influence is going away, and what happened and how did we get here. And uh, the more we got into it, you know, we're both media producers and marketing guys, so we thought at first it's, it's a marketing problem. You know, the answer to everything is marketing. You, you've got to, your house is too small. No problem. Call it cozy. Um, it seems like if we rebrand something, we can fix it. But the more we looked at this problem, this disconnect that's out there, the more we discovered it's it's not really a marketing problem. It's more of a sales force right. problem. We, we looked right. at we went to some of the biggest researchers in the country, Barna, Pew, Gallup, uh, Lifeway, and started looking at just baseline activities of Christians. You know, how are we doing with church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, tithing? Uh, not not hard stuff. Not mission trips or, or fasting, just the baseline stuff. And That's the good. results we found about our behavior are shocking, Walter. You, let me give you a couple examples. We, we've, when it comes to attending church now, we've lowered the bar so much that if you show up just 19 times a year, you're now considered a regular. I mean, that's oh like, goodness. what, three out of eight times you're considered a regular. It wouldn't work at any other wow. organization, but it works at church. Right. A Bible right. reading. We discovered that 40% of church-going Christians read the Bible rarely or never. I mean, think wow. about that. That's almost half the Christians in America. And then we found out 63% think 
prayer is essential, which sounds good until you realize that also means 37% think, think prayer isn't essential. So we've got these red flags going up, and what made us realize it is, is what I, I made it so clear is that we, we think that we should be known by the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, right. peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that stuff. That's what people right. should think about when they think Christian. Well, boy, let me tell you, you go interview a non-believer out there, and you hear things like hypocritical, judgmental, yeah. harsh, phony. And right. so when you look at these statistics about how we live our life, guess what? They're exactly right. They're, just, they're exactly My right. Goodness. We've discovered the enemy, and it's us. That you know, and and so therefore, if if we are really failing in our Christian daily life, it stands to reason that other things that we try to Christian and put that adjective on are gonna fail as well, right? Well, that's right, and we've tried so many things to impact the culture. And I understand, you know, in my lifetime alone, we've seen such a huge shift. I mean, when I was a kid, prayer in schools was perfectly normal, especially during exam time, right? Um, right. Abortion, abortion was wrong. Marriage was between a man and a woman. There's so many areas that right or wrongly, have completely shifted. And so, so many Christians have, re- have responded with what I consider an anger strategy. They're, they're upset about it. They're mad about it. And so, oh, wow. what, what, we've, wow. what, we've, what we've learned is anger doesn't work. People don't change because you get mad at them. So, you know, we tried, we tried politics. Politics really isn't working uh, when it comes to the Christian faith. We tried boycotts. You know, if you don't say Merry Christmas, we'll boycott your company. Um, wow. We tried all kind of anger strategies. And so, the book says maybe it's time to try something different, and that's really where we arrived. And you know, boy, you, I'm telling you, 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 you are right with me. So what would you say then? <laughs> that, that being said, Brother Phil, okay. so, so, so how do we get back? What are some tangible things that we sure. as the Christian community, what are some practical things that we can do to, 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 to get us back to where we need to be? Great question. Great question. You know, it's funny that we, we, we almost started thinking, we almost called the book That Other God, because what's happened is, we think, we've created this God that looks a lot like the God of the Bible, but is very understanding. You know, he's a God that understands why I don't go to church very much, because I'm a busy guy. He understands why I don't, I don't read the Bible very much or pray, because I've got other things to do. And this God understands why I'm cheating on my wife because she's gotten older and she's kind of grumpy and he wants me to be happy, right? And we've cr- it's almost like we fashion this God out of our worldview instead of conforming our lives to what the Bible and what God calls us to do. And so I, l- I started looking back. When was the time when there was a, is there an era when the church as a whole was really making an impact? And I went all the way back 2,000 years ago to the early church. I mean, these guys were living in a time, they had no influence, no power, no no. They had no juice at all. I mean, they couldn't pass laws. They were persecuted. They were hunted down. And yet they saw things in the Roman Empire that they, they, they didn't like. For instance, to give you a great example, is, is infanticide. I mean, the Romans had no regard for life whatsoever. None. Sounds like our culture today, right? And when a child was born back then, if they didn't want it, if it was an extra mouth to feed or more often a girl, they would just let it die of exposure. They would put it on the city wall or take it out beyond wow. the city to just let it die. Well, Christians, wow. they couldn't argue against this. They couldn't boycott. They couldn't pass a law. So what they would do is they would act, and they would go under cover of night out beyond the city and pick up, find these abandoned kids, bring them into their family, and they would raise them as their own. And and other members of the church would would contribute money to help pay the cost of raising that child. And the Romans were just so baffled by this. I mean, they could not figure out, how do we wrap our head around this? Why would anybody do this? And historians tell us 
that that and other things, like when the plague would hit, Christians would race to the ground zero of the plague to help people. But Romans finally were forced. They, they were so astonished, so baffled, they were forced to rethink who these Christians were and who is this God they talk about all the time. And in the and, and many people think that caused such a shift in the Roman Empire. That's what led Christianity in a remarkable short time to be the dominant religious faith of the Western world. So the bottom line is the book asked the question: What could we do today? Politics hasn't worked. Boycotts hasn't worked. Anger hasn't worked. What could we do today that would so astonish the culture that it would force them to rethink who we are and who is this God we serve? Bottom line. Are you trying to say, are you trying to submit to the to the judge and jury this morning, this afternoon? Are you basically trying to say we need to practice what we preach? <laughs> well, there's a novel idea. What an idea. <laughs> yes. Oh, and you know what? What's funny is this generation, authenticity is their thing. Younger people today, they want to see it lived out. I don't care. You know what? I tell you, Walter, we've become the fat guy at the gym that lectures everybody else about health. You know, that's Isn't kind that of what amazing? Christians today have become. And as oh, you wow. know, it's it's wow. hard to work out, but it's easy to wear yoga pants. And most Christians today are just sitting around wearing yoga pants. And trust me, it's not pretty. Oh, my Lord. You, boy, you just dropped a nuclear bomb. You just dropped a nuclear bomb. So I, um, I found myself, I'm back in the gym now, and, and one of the areas that uh, I've had to really upcharge is, you know, I'm a, I'm a life coach and a pastor, but people yeah. don't listen to you if your body doesn't match your spirit. You know what I'm saying? Great point. And Great I, point. Was, I, was, I was out of shape. I was battling high blood pressure, and I have not had a Coca-Cola since Christmas. So uh, just to your... To your point, to your point, we yeah. got to we got to walk the walk and talk the talk, brother Phil. That is so true. And I discovered that here's the thing. You know, we worry sometimes about witnessing. You know, I'm afraid to talk to my neighbor about Jesus. I'm afraid to talk to somebody. But the truth is, you live the life. You don't have to witness. Trust me, people will come up and ask you about it. They, they will notice that when you, these fruits of the Spirit are being exhibited in your life and you're actually seriously committed to the gospel, people notice. And they want to come up and talk to you about it. So it's, it's great on so many levels. We just need to get more serious about what we're doing here. Oh, man, that is phenomenal. So what, what do you want to see your book? What, what do you want to see happen behind uh, this new work between you and Brother Jonathan? Well, we pitch in the book four or five ideas about what we think, good examples of what we could do to astonish the culture today. But then we ask people who are reading, what could you do in your neighborhood, in your church, in your office? What could you do to astonish people around you? And there's a lot of things. Sometimes it can start very simple. A great example we call a Craigslist Christmas. About 10 years ago, my co-writer Jonathan put an ad in the free section of Craigslist that said, uh, just a week before Christmas, by the way, that said, if you're struggling to make Christmas happen for your kids, let me know. I'd like to help. And so most people probably thought he was a crazy person or you know, a, a pedophile or something, but three single moms responded who had – they were wow. desperate. At the end of their rope, they didn't wow. have anything for their kids for Christmas. So John and his wife, Kelly, met them at Target here in L.A., got three grocery carts, went through, bought toys, bought clothes, gave them each a $100 gift card for groceries, and it transformed those women and those families' lives. So the next year, he got my wife, Kathleen, and I to do it. So we started doing it. And then this, up until this year, we had 15 people, guys, guys, men and women, we all gotten from the entertainment industry. 15 of us showed up at Target. We had 15 families, single moms, single dads, sometimes grandparents raising their grandkids. And we paired them off with each one of us, and we each took a family. And I tell you, we don't preach to them, but 
we don't, you know, we pray, we offer to pray with them, and they always love that. But once we do, they start asking us, "Why are you doing this? What, what, what drives wow. you?" And that opens the door. And what's really funny, Walter, is even the tar- after all these years, the Target store employees have, have noticed something's up. They start asking us about it. So it, wow. that's just simple. You know, people can steal that idea all they want. That's just simple. But there are little things like that, and then there are big things that we could do as a church with a capital C that I think would impact the culture. And we list a number of them in the book, and I just encourage people, think of, you know, read the book, see these ideas, then go out and see what you could do to astonish people in your neighborhood, at your office. I mean, look at this. I, I read a statistic That's the other day, good. Walter, that said most people don't even know their neighbors' names anymore. You know, My Lord. That, what a great Lord. place to start. You know, you want to be a missionary? Great. Go next door. Um, that's a good place to start. Man, that man, that is phenomenal. That is so phenomenal. Well, tell us real quickly, how did you meet Jonathan? What's your relationship like? Well, Jonathan has a big marketing firm here in L.A. that the studios go to uh, when they want to reach the Christian audience. So he's marketed about 500 movies, uh, big ones, big ones, from the Chronicles of Narnia to um, the Bible series on TV to Gravity to uh, mm-hmm. Book of Eli mm-hmm. uh, with Denzel, right. just a lot of big movies right. he's, he, mm-hmm. that have redemptive value. Studios come to him and say, you know, we know how to market movies. We just don't know how to reach this Christian audience. It's so huge. Right. And I'll tell you, after Mel Gibson made The Passion of the Christ, it really got Hollywood's attention that there's an mm-hmm. audience out there that takes their faith seriously. And then we wow. have producers like Devon Franklin, uh, who uh-huh. is doing a, an amazing job getting more faith-driven content into the studio system. And so uh, Jonathan is one of those guys. And we met because uh, we have a production company, so we did some trailers for some of the projects he did. And we just got to know each other. We produced a couple TV programs together. And we did. We produced the movie, the Hillsong movie, Let Hope Rise, that came out a year That's ago good. in theaters across the country. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we had just been talking. We thought maybe it's time to write a book. So we did it. That is phenomenal, man. Well, real quickly, give out your contact information. How can people contact you? How can people go order the book? I am so excited about your new project. Well, the book's available at any bookstore. You can, if it, they don't have it, they can order it. It's on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. You can check it out there easily called The Way Back. Um, and also, you could go to my, my blog at PhilCook.com, P-H-I-L-C-O-O-K-E. I'm Cook with an E. PhilCook.com. I'm always writing stuff about the intersection of faith, media, and culture. And I'd love for people to jump into some of my blog posts and respond. And uh, you can reach out to me there as well. Oh, that is just stuff, man. I am just... I'm so proud of you, man, and I, I'm so glad that we're friends, and I'm glad uh, uh, for the fellowship and the divine connection. So real quickly, in about another minute or so, what's next for you? you got this project going. You and Jonathan have gotten this under your belt. Uh, your business is doing well. He's doing well. So what would be next for Phil Cook? <laughs> well, A, we're already talking, talking about the next book. We're, we're, we're already looking at outlining what that will be because we've gotten such a great response to this one. And um, B, good. we're looking at some feature documentaries. A lot of the work we do is with major organizations like, for instance, the Museum of the Bible that just opened up in November in Washington, D.C. Right. And I would encourage everybody listening to go check that out. It's, it's just an okay. incredible, incredible thing, a half-a-billion-dollar museum dedicated Amen. to the Bible. And technology is amazing, and we've been working with them and continue to work with them and uh, developing some documentaries that will come out of that. So there's plenty of things to stay busy. Oh, that is pretty phenomenal, man. Well, listen, thank you for a few minutes of your time, and I'm so glad to know you, man, and you are making a difference. And just thank you uh, for being part of our uh, radio show today, uh, my brother, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon, all right? Thank you so much, Walter. Appreciate it. All right.